This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Hamdan kathiran wa tayyiban mubarakan fi. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahtu la sharika lah. وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله أما بعض. We're going to resume, inshallah, the weekly Sunday class about the forty hadith that consist of two words from the Mishkat of Nubuwa. After having the class suspended for quite a long period of time before Ramadan and after Ramadan. So today we come to a tremendous hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is a reoccurring theme, whether it's in our khutbahs or whether it's in our lessons, and inshallah, in our da'wah. That theme is going to come to you in this hadith. Today's hadith has been collected by Imam Muslim, and Imam Ahmed, and other than them, Rahmatullah Alayhi. And it was an issue that's well known in the history books of Al-Islam, the occasion. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made hijrah from Mecca to Al-Medina. And when he arrived in Medina, the Ansar of Al-Medina were waiting for him with great anticipation. As well as those people who performed hijrah from Mecca and they arrived in Medina before him. They couldn't wait until he came. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when he finally appeared on his camel, everyone wanted him to get off of his camel and to be a guest of theirs. And he told the people, leave the camel because the camel has been commanded. It's going to stop where Allah chooses for it to stop. And the camel stopped in front of the house of a tremendous companion who was known by his kunya, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. May Allah be pleased with him. Many people don't know his name, like Abu Huraira, like Abu Dhar Ghaffari. Some of the companions are known only by their kunya, like al-Imam Abu Hanifa. Some people are known by their kunya. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is one of those people. His name is Khalid ibn Yazid ibn Kulayb. Al-Ansari, he was from the tribe of Medina called Bani Al-Najjar. And he's from the Khazraj side of the Ansar. And he was kin to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from way, 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 way back. He's a distant relative. So it only made sense, it was only hikmah, that the relative of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would be the one who would be responsible for his hospitality. And this is a special quality of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. And that is, he's the only companion who accepted the Prophet as his guest, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was in Medina. No one else did that. So that's special from Allah. Another thing about Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is like Abdurrahman ibn Auf. May Allah be pleased with him. Abu Ayyub 
participated in all of the wars in El Islam. Badr, Uhud, Bani Mustalik, all of that. So just like Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he's one of those companions who is a giant amongst giants. But is he on a level of the Ten Promised Jannah? No. But nonetheless, tremendous companion. And unfortunately, people of the Turuk al-Sufiyya, they make a lot of khurafat as it relates to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, radiyallahu anhu. And he's free from all of that. And Yawm al-Qiyamah, he will free himself from them and what they do the same way Isa ibn Maryam, sallallahu alayhi is going to free himself from Christians who lie on him. So Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, took the Prophet inside sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he was responsible for taking care of him. So the Nabi chose to be on the ground floor, on the first floor, as opposed to being on the second floor, which would give you an idea that some of the Arabs during that time used to have two floors. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his homes consisted of one floor, but Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, his house had two floors. His free slave, Aflah, is the one who narrated this hadith. So it could be understood that maybe Abu Ayyub al-Ansari had a little bit of money. He didn't have money. Him and his wife shared one blanket in that house. He didn't have money. But he had a floor that consisted of two floors. Ya Rasulullah, which floor you want to stay on? I want to stay on the first floor. So that caused Abu Ayyub and his wife, Um Ayyub, to be on the second floor. Some time went by, and Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, from his iman, he didn't feel comfortable being on top of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He wasn't comfortable that he would be walking, making noise, and the Prophet can hear the squeak, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of the floor. He didn't like it. Some narration said that something spilled up there between him and his wife and it started dripping down on the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which made them more upset, more uncomfortable. Allah knows best about that portion of the narration. That's not in Sahih Muslim. The point is, his iman and his respect made him uncomfortable. His heart. So the next day he came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't want to sleep upstairs anymore. I want you to go upstairs. He said, my wife and I, we were sleeping on the corner so that we wouldn't be over you. So we put the bed against the wall and we slept with our backs against the wall. We didn't want to disturb you at all. So please come downstairs. It's easier. He said, come upstairs. It's easy. It's better. The prophet said to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, today's hadith. He said, As-suflu arfaq. As-suflu arfaqu. As-suflu is from the word that means to be low. The safil, the safilin, the person who is low. He said, the ground floor is more comfortable for me. The, bar- the ground floor has more rahma for me, more rifq. I prefer to stay on the ground floor. I don't want to go up there. 
There's a hadith that the Prophet mentions sallallahu alayhi wa sallam من كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فليكرم ضيفه Anyone who believes in Allah on the last day, let him be kind to his guest. And that's all Abu Ayyub al-Ansari was trying to do. He was trying to respect the Nabi, honor the Nabi, make things comfortable for the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In his own house, he's going to give him whatever he preferred and whatever he wanted. He perceived the upper floor would be better out of respect. So when he heard that answer from the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Ayyub wasn't having and he said, Wallahi, I am not going to sleep anywhere where I'm above your head. It's not going to happen. And he didn't say that out of respect. He said that emphatically stating that he's going to respect the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he can't allow himself to be above him like that. Some people have cultures like in Nigeria, the Hausa people, the Fulani people, the lady marries her husband and from the culture they teach the girl never sit above your husband. Not that it's haram, but that's the respect that the girl gives her husband or the father. So usually in that culture, especially the people holding on to that culture, you'll find that the women's chair are lower than the men's chair. As Muslims, we don't apologize about that. Unfortunately, the celebrity imams, the passion, compassionate imams, they're trying to please and appease non-Muslims because as Muslims, we separate between men and women. We look at the husband with a special view. We look at the father with a special view. We look at elders with a special view. And their understanding, separating between men and women, this is backwards, this is oppressive, this is putting women down. So the compassionate imams of today, they are passing fatwas in America and other than America, saying the fatwa is in every masjid, men and women should be in the same hall. And there should be no barrier between them. Now I'm not getting off into what is the fiqh of that issue, but I'm making the point. And the point is, the Arabs, they had a way of respecting people. Abu Ayyub and Ansari could not imagine his feet being above the head of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you put your foot up towards an Arab, especially with your shoes on, he will feel you're dissing him, you're dissing him, disrespecting him. And then Iraq, when that Iraqi man threw that shoe at the former president, although it didn't hit the former president of the United States who was responsible, like the prime minister of this country, for killing over a million Muslims, although that shoe didn't hit him, Still, what he did by throwing the shoe in the culture of the Arabs is the ultimate disrespect. So we have to be sensitive to people's culture. I remember studying Medina. We had a young teacher. He wasn't that much older than us. Probably in his early 30s. We were in our mid and early 20s. He was a new teacher teaching Arabic. And I remember one brother from America was sitting there and he had his legs crossed and the teacher kept making a big deal and we, the brothers from America and Britain, we was like, why is he tripping out? Why is he making a big deal going overboard? Because in their culture, in their culture, you don't put your feet up to people like that. So that's where Abu Ayyub al-Ansari was coming from. And we had that a lot from what happened with the companions. 
They looked at putting your foot on someone's face is the ultimate in disrespect. Putting your foot on someone's neck on its back, the ultimate disrespect. To put your foot on someone to the Arabs was a bad thing. So he wasn't having it. So when the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the bottom floor is more comfortable for me. As Sufl, Arafak, I want to stay on the bottom. He said, no, Wallahi, I'm not going to stay on a roof that's over your head. The Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, gave in and he went upstairs, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Why did the Prophet want to stay downstairs? And this is important. He wanted to stay downstairs because it's easier to be on the bottom floor. It's easier. You don't have to keep going up and keep going down so many times during the course of the day. Those of us who have steps, we make dua to Allah that he protects us from the danger of those steps. Come down the step, go up the step with your new baby. It's easy to fall, to trip, down or going up. Easy. You don't even have to have your baby. Also, he's going to get visitors who are going to come. So if he's upstairs, visitors have to come through the house and go upstairs disturbing Abu Ayyub and Ansari and his family. Plus, if his wife is upstairs, she doesn't have to have her hijab on. If the prophet went upstairs, his wife will be downstairs. So now, his wife will always have to be in hijab. May Allah Ta'ala be pleased with all of them. But when the prophet saw that the mudif, the man who was giving him hospitality was adamant about respecting him in this way. The prophet wasn't rough and tough. He said, okay, I'll go upstairs. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Although his desire was as suflu arfaq. Staying on the bottom is better. So from this hadith, you have to remember this. If you have a choice of staying upstairs or downstairs, staying downstairs in the downstairs room is better. Rasulullah liked the downstairs room better. Is it haram to go upstairs? No. But it's like the things that we do, and we only do it because Rasulullah did it, so we do it. He loved it, so we love it. Like Umar radiallahu anhu making tawaf and kissing the Kaaba. And he said to that rock, he kissed the black stone, he said, I know you can't help me and you can't harm me. But I saw the prophet kiss you, and because of that I'm kissing you. I'm not kissing you, I'm going to make dua to you to help me with anything. You can't help me and you can't hurt me. But I saw the prophet kiss you, so I'm going to kiss you. So if you are a student and you're going to do, do shared accommodation, you get the first dibs, the first choice. Go upstairs or downstairs? Go downstairs. It's the sunnah. But what if the, the, the room upstairs is two, three times bigger than the room downstairs? Should you take the room downstairs that's, you know, very restricted, constricted, and it also has in it some other issues? And you say, Abu Usama said, stay downstairs and leave the, 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 I never told you that. I never told you that. What I told you was, all things considered, the Prophet's sunnah was doing what was easier. And that's what Anas ibn Umadik said about him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. مَا خُجِّرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بَيْنَ أَمْرَيْنِ إِلَّا اخْتَارَ أَيْسَرَهُمَا This hadith is applied in many ways. He was never given a choice between two things. 
except he always chose the easier of the two. He has a choice going upstairs or downstairs. He's going to go downstairs. And that's the rahmah of his sunnah and how he was, his personality. Making things easier on himself and making things easier upon his ummah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they switched. Abu Ayyub and Ansari the hadith said, his wife was cooking food and they would send it to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Rasulullah would never eat all of the food. He would always eat and leave some of the food. And that's because Abu Ayyub, his family, they also want to eat. They also want to eat. So whenever the food would come to Abu Ayyub, he would look for where the fingerprints of the Nabi was and he would make sure he put his fingers there and ate from that food. Another issue. When we were studying in al Medina. It was the practice of the Arabs there that a student who lived in our building would invite five of us there and we would invite our wives. We would go inside and we would sit and we would eat. After the men ate, we got up and we went into the other room to have tea. And then that's when the women come and eat from the food that we were eating. But what they do is they put more rice on it, more chicken or whatever, but you can see their chicken pieces that were eaten. The women who were from America, they were like, what is this? They're disrespecting us. What is, they couldn't get their heads around it. And I understand that. They could not understand it was like a straight up diss. How are they gonna feed us food that other people have eaten? And some of those sisters who were kind of new Muslims, they used to say, this is treating women like second-class citizens. But this is their culture. That was their culture. They just come and put more rice on their food and that's it. So Abu Ayyub and Ansari would eat from where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's fingers were. And then one day, he presented them with some food. And the food came back and it wasn't touched. He was nervous. It meant something to him. Did he do something wrong? Did he do something that made the Nabi upset? It meant something to him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He hurried up. Ya Rasulullah, you didn't eat from the food. Did, did I do something wrong? He said, no. But in the food, in the food there was garlic. Thum. And I don't like the thum. I don't like garlic. He said, radiallahu anhu. Because you don't like garlic, I don't like garlic anymore, neither. Not that garlic is haram. And the meaning of garlic here is uncooked garlic. As for the garlic that's cooked, the, the, the onions that are cooked, the karaf that is cooked, you can eat that stuff. And come to the masjid. Because it's not going to be in your breath like it would be if it was raw. And that was just the way food was during their time. That's how food was. Give you a raw onion, raw garlic, and that was it. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam refused to eat it because he said to Abu Ayyub and Ansari, I am visited by those who you're not visited by. There are those who visit me who don't visit you, Abu Ayyub, meaning the malaika, the malaika. So that's the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And those words are from his mishkat of an-nabuwa. As-suflu arfaqu. 
That's the narration for the Imam Muslim, for Abu Dawood and Imam Ahmed. The narration is as suflu arfaq li. It's three words. Being on the bottom is better for me. And Sahih Muslim, being on the bottom is better. Those two words. Easy hadith. If you don't memorize the hadith in Arabic, just remember the benefit of this hadith and the story of the hadith. The bottom is better, it's easier, it's more appropriate. From the benefits of this hadith, and there are many benefits. The top of the list, the hadith clearly shows the virtues of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari from many angles. He's another one of those tremendous companions from many angles. The fact that Allah Ta'ala caused his camel to stop and he's going to be the host of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the seed of Bani Adam. There was never a guest better than that. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's from his virtues. He was Mustafa. Allah divinely chose him to be the only one who will be able to say that from those companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. As well as from his virtues is the way he dealt with the Nabi in this hadith. And this is the way we should deal with people who have position and rank with us. Like our mothers, our fathers, the elders from our community, grandmother, grandfather, the ulama when they come here. You get an opportunity to really be around a person who's really blessed with knowledge and he's really teaching and so forth and so on. We should treat them like that. We should big them up. And I've seen some people do it where it didn't come across as being manufactured. But I know in our culture here, because we don't see this, we don't do this. We don't act like that level of respect with people. You have people who are yes men, which is yes men. Whatever the person says, yes, 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 yes. But behind his back, we don't really feel him like that. But Abu Ayyub al-Ansari showed the level of respect that they used to have for the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and that the Muslims should have for his guests as well. He was begging them up. Are you okay? You want something? Are you cold? You hot? Always being ready to give him khidmah. And not, not holding back anything from making that individual as comfortable as possible. Opening the door for him. Making things as easy as possible for the people of knowledge. And I'm not talking about this da'i. I'm not talking about this person who's given a khutbah. I'm talking about the real ulama of al-Islam who deserve our love, our honor, our reverence, our respect. And it's not corny. And it's not ghulu. We'll say today, if someone was like that, you want this? Are you okay? We'll say, why is he overboard? Why is he overboard? We're going to come back to that, inshallah. Another way this shows the virtues of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is that there are a number of ayat where Allah makes a nida and he calls out to those who believe. And he's challenging the people to have a high level of adab with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and never, never annoy him. Many ayat. The one who does it, even from amongst us, it's a sign he has respect. The one who doesn't do it, it's a sign he doesn't have respect. And he can scream as loud as he wants that he's a Muslim, that he's Sarifi, that he's on the Sunnah, that he loves Allah and his messenger. Many ayat and descriptions. Abu Ayyub 
Al-Ansari, they all applied to him. And the way he dealt with the Nabi in this particular incident, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. From them, as well Allah Ta'ala mentioned, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, la tadkhulu biyutin nabiyyi illa yu'dhana lakum. Oh, you who believe, do not enter into the homes of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam except if he gave you permission. Don't come and just open up his door. Only if he gave you permission. And then Allah went on to say, when you come, if he invites you for food, you come. You come. But Allah said, don't sit around just waiting, wasting his time. You come too early. And you're just sitting around, kicking the woolly bobo, hanging out. He doesn't have time to waste like that. He doesn't have time to waste like that. وَلَا مُسْتَأْمِسِينَ Allah mentioned in the Quran. وَلَا مُسْتَأْمِسِينَ لِحَدِيثٍ إِنَّ ذَلِكُمْ يُؤْذِ النَّبِيِّ فَيَسْتَحْيِ مِنْكُمْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَسْتَحْيِ مِنَ الْحَقِّ Don't come and sit around and just waste his time and you're just there with him waiting for the food to get done. Allah said, that annoys the Nabi. But he'll be shy to tell you. He won't tell you. Hey, you're, what, you're heavy on me, man. Can you come back later? He's not going to tell you that. But Allah is not shy to tell you the truth. So something as small as that, etiquette, of not wasting his time like that. So I, the sheikh comes. I have a plethora of problems, catalog of issues, marital issues, my mother, my father, my job, all of that. And when I come to the sheikh right away, I get into all of the problems of my life. And that happens all the time. Just all the problems of my life. No. You have to be able to read the room. The sheikh came from a long distance. He looks tired. He's about to give a lecture. He just finished the lecture. He wants to get off the podium to go upstairs. Everybody wants to stop him to tell him about the problems of his life. Now, your issue is important. It is. But ask Allah Ta'ala to make a way for you other than stopping him from this podium to the door where everybody's doing that. that. That's just not a cool thing to do. And it happens all the time. Sheikh gives the talk from Salatul Fajr for two and a half hours after he finished. And he has to do two, three more days. He wants to escape, leave. People won't let him. Now, if the people wanted to give him salams and give him love and give him a, a book or a gift, no, no problem. But there are people who are stopping him who wants to, they want to know about all of the problems of their life. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la takunu kalladheena adaw Musa fabarrahu Allahu mimma qalu wa kanandallahi wajiha. Oh, you believe Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. Don't be like those people from Bani Israel who annoyed Musa. A bunch of questions, giving him a hard time, being hard-headed, disagreeing with him, saying bad things about him. Don't be like those people. And Allah freed Musa from what they accused him of. And Musa was a very good religious person with Allah. So there are a lot of ayahs like that. Oh, you believe... Don't raise your voice above the voice of the Nabi. Oh, you believe. Don't put yourselves before the Nabi. That was Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. That was how he was. That's why he acted like that in his own house. 
And he knows that the Prophet mentioned sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that a man's house is his castle and the man is the sultan in that castle. And no one should be allowed to leave the salat in another man's house unless he allowed it. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari gave the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the full range freedom of movement in his house to make him comfortable sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. The other thing we want to mention ikhwani, in that regard is this issue about Abu Ayyub al-Ansari and respecting the Nabi. Prophet Muhammad told us said in here sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna min ijlalillahi ta'ala ikrami this shaybat al-Muslim وحامل القرآن غير الغال فيه ولا الجاف عنه وإكرام السلطان المقصط From a person's respect to Allah a person having iman and belief and love and fear of Allah reverence for Allah one of the manifestations of that is when you see that person respecting an elderly person in Al-Islam. If he respects the elderly, it's a sign that he has reverence for Allah, fear of Allah. Number two, whenever you see someone who has memorized the Quran and that person is working by the Quran, he doesn't go overboard or underboard with it. Because he is a memorizer of the Quran, a person deals with him like that, with respect. Like Zakaallah or any of the brothers in this community who have memorized that book, the book of Allah. There's a brother from Libya, Abu Usama, from the Jezeri Institute. I don't know if that's still there. That brother knows the Qira'at. Along with that other brother from Somalia, from Masjid al-Rahma. I think they call him Abu Tajweed, Abdurrahman. Those brothers, I don't see them around anymore. Anyone you know who is a hafiz of the Quran, he deserves our respect, and we shouldn't deal with him anyway. Even if the individual is not from our maslak, he has the book of Allah. The third characteristic is from respecting Allah, having reverence and fear of Allah, is respecting a leader who is just. There's a ruler, a leader, he's just. So we respect him. So all three of those superlatives and adjectives, they were with the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As it relates to Abu Ayyub, he was older. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had the book of Allah. And he's a just leader. And that's why Abu Ayyub was dealing with him like that. He's the Nabi of Al-Islam, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. In addition to that, ikhwani, from what can be mentioned and should be mentioned, and this is important, is the flip side that will help you to understand how far to go or not to go in respecting the sheikh. Now, we have to respect the people of our religion, but not to the, to the degree where you suspend your intellect and you can clearly see this is a sheikh who I know is a problem. And I'm not going to cause my mind to go to sleep and I'm going to lie to myself when I clearly saw and I know what the sheikh did of the way of fitness and drama and mashakin. So some of us go overboard because the sheikh doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve to be treated the way people are treating him, as if everything he says is revelation from Allah. And all people have to do is say, the sheikh said this and people get scared. No, 
I saw too many things. I know too many things. When we respect ulama, listen to this, we respect them the way Abu Ayyub and Ansari did. When one thing is there and another thing is absent. When there's no istiqlal, the sheikh is not taking advantage of us. The sheikh is not taking advantage of us. The sheikh comes from somewhere and he's always asking me, take me to a chiropractor and I got to pay for it. Take me to a dentist. I want to get three implants. I got to pay for it. Take me here to, hey, sheikh, hey, sheikh, what's the deal? I'm not here to pay for all of that. And that's all he does. I'm not trying to say any sheikh he did this, did that. But you have to keep your eyes open. Don't let people take advantage of you, no matter who they happen to be. So we raise the sheikh up with a lot of respect. When we see, we're not being taken advantage of. And number two, when from our side, we're not making istihana. We're not putting ourselves down. We're not putting ourselves down. Venerating the sheikh so much to the degree that we do things that are not acceptable religiously. Like saving his bath water to drink it. What are you talking about? Who's going to do that? I'm not even going to know Sheikh I know. Am I going to eat from his food? Al-Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullahu ta'ala, who explained this hadith, he said the fact that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to leave full is a sign that it is highly recommended that if a person has prestige in a position, that he should leave stuff so that the people can eat from that, so that they could feel be made to feel good. I'm not doing that. I'm not eating after anybody and I'm not drinking after anybody other than my wife and my children. That's it. If you want to do that, you can do that. You can do that. But I'm not doing that. Don't let anybody take advantage of you. Anybody. The sheikh wants to marry into your family. You check out the sheikh's history. Whatever the case is, the sheikh wants to borrow money. If you don't have the money, you don't have to give it to him. Never feel obliged like that. But at the same time, don't be one of those people who you have su'adhan about the sheikh. You have su'adhan. So, look, what made it easy for Abu Ayyub al-Ansari to be like that with the Nabi and the rest of those companions? What made it easy is look at how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, look how he dealt with Abu Ayyub. He could have easily told Abu Ayyub, I told you I want to stay on the bottom. But he didn't. That's what he wanted to do for himself as well as for Abu Ayyub. But when he saw Abu Ayyub wasn't having it and he wasn't comfortable in his existence, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam agreed. And that goes to show it has to be a level of give and take in our interpersonal relationships. The dunya can't always run just on the way we want, on our desires. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will pull and he will let it go. He will let it pull and he will let it go. He said, okay, I'll go upstairs. So if the students, the community, if they see that the sheikh is treating us nicely like that, we'll be more apt to respect them. But the sheikh is tough, rough. When we ask him questions, he chop our heads off and he say things like, you asking a dumb question like that? We're afraid to ask the sheikh a question. And wallahi, I was in the community at one time years ago with the imam 
who had the people afraid of him, afraid of him. And they would respect him, but the respect had nifaq in it. It was a respect of fear. No, we have no taraddub, no tahafud. We have no, nothing holding us back to respect sheikhs, even more than what we normally would do. I'm not into kissing, and I don't want nobody kissing me, except my wives and my kids. That's it. So when the sheikh comes, I don't kiss the sheikh. I don't kiss the sheikh. I see some of the brothers, mashallah, they kiss the sheikh. Am I going to say, ugh? I'm not going to say that. That's what he wants to do. That's what the sheikh is used to where he comes from. That you kiss him on his head. It's a, but I'm not doing that. But I will try to respect him to the best of my ability. My point is, you don't be hesitant. If you want to kiss him like that, you kiss him. But always remember what I told you. Never, ever, ever sell your izzah and your sharaf and your rajula, your manlihood for anybody. It's not our religion. And none of the companions did that. None of them came and it was requested from them, sell your manhood. None of them. Leave your wife with the qari the Raqi, the Sheikh, so he can read the Quran over your sheikh, over your wife by himself. Let your wife sit with the Sheikh so that she could tell him her side of the story and you're not there. What? The Sheikh shouldn't ask those kind of questions for us. Make that kind of request. From the benefits of this tremendous hadith of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alayhi wa sallam, it clearly shows the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's dislike for raw onions and raw garlic and raw kiraf. That's that long, I think they call them spring onions, I think. You know what I'm talking about? The long one like that. He didn't like eating them raw, although they are permissible. There's a point that Imam Noe made that I want to make here when he talked about true love, and it's important. Imam Noe when Abu Ayyub al-Ansari said, since you don't like it, I don't like it as well. I'm not going to eat it as well. And Imam Nawawi said from the benefit of this incident, this issue, is the definition of true love. He said, Rahmatullahi alayhi awsaf al-muhib al-sadiq and yuhib ma ahab." From the sign that a person really has true love for someone, from the signs of that, is that that person loves what that person who he claims to love, he loves what they love, and he dislikes what they dislike. That doesn't mean the favorite color for me is purple. So my wife has to like purple. doesn't mean that. But what it means is, if we truly love someone, then we should do those things that we know they're pleased with. And we should avoid those things that they don't like. So if a man's wife doesn't like him doing something, then if he really loves her, don't do that. If you really love your mother and your father, then don't do those things that make them upset with you. There are those people who like to wind people up. We know they don't like this and they don't like that. For example, she's ticklish. So doing like this to her. And she hates it with a passion. But the person keeps doing that. No, if you love the person, don't do to them that which they dislike. 
love, peace of mind for them, those things that they love for themselves. When Abu Ayyub and Ansari said, well, because you don't like it, I don't like it as well. So the one who really loves someone, like in the case of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Kuntum Allah Allah. If you truly love Allah, then follow me, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and Allah will follow you. Wrapping it up very quickly from this hadith, and this is important, is the importance of having respect for the malaika and being cognizant of their presence. Because the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wouldn't eat. He wouldn't eat because the malaika. He said in an authentic hadith that the malaika are annoyed and bothered by the same things Benny Adam is bothered by. So the malaika, they don't like offensive smells. They don't like smells just like Benny Adam doesn't like. So those things that human beings don't like, we're sitting and someone passes wind, akramakumullah. And he passes wind right in the middle of the majlis. He passes wind right there. Everyone's going to say, who did that? What's going on? Why would you do that? Now, if it just slipped out, no problem. But we're talking about the one who does it on purpose. That's bad adab. So are we saying you can't pass gas and they're malaika? No, I'm not saying that. But you have to be aware of being around the malaika and them being around you. There's a hadith. It's not authentic. So you got to know it's not authentic. It said that the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Iyakum wa ta'arri. Iyakum wa ta'arri. Beware of walking around naked. Because there are those with you who never are away from you. That hadith is not authentic, but it's true. Shouldn't walk around your house naked. Some people take this weak hadith and they believe they can't take their clothes off when they're going to have relationships. And that's not true. Rasulullah took his clothes off. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You have to take a ghusl. You can go to sleep without your clothes on. But is that the best thing to do? It's not the best thing to do. We have to have adab around those malaika. Even as it relates to some of the things people get up to where the eyes of the human beings are not on him, but the malaika are looking. So the person has to have some hayat and have some level of modesty and respect and shame in front of Allah Ta'ala's malaika because the Prophet taught us that. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Making something that's halal, making it makruh on himself for those malaika. Like in the beginning of Islam, it was permissible for a person to drink after salah. Don't drink during the time, during the day, until after Isha, now you can drink. And then it was finally made haram. So that's something that's haram and dirty and evil that became haram later on. But because of its khub, because of the way it was, because of the way the people were, they were allowed to do it at the end of the day. But they held back until the salats were gone. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa held back from eating those things that are halal and from the tayyibat out of respect for the malaika. Last two things, ikhwani, or the last one is that one of the main messages from this hadith is gentleness. Gentleness. Right? Because he said, 
the lower one is arfaq. Arfaq means rif, rif, to be gentle. Prophet Muhammad says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I can rif fi shayin illa zanahu. Gentleness was never put inside of something except that it made it beautiful. إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى بِأَهْلِ بَيْتٍ خَيْرًا فَدَّلَّهُمْ عَلَى بَابِ الرِّفْقِ If Allah wants good for a person's house, the Ahl al-Bayt, if he wants good, Allah will guide them to the door of gentleness, of how to deal with each other. Now look in this audience, and you guys look at me, and we're all going to have misunderstandings with people in our homes. The husband and the wife, the wife and the husband, the father and the kids, the mother and the kids, the father and the stepkids, the mother and the stepkids. And sometimes when those things happen, we raise our voices and we're rough and we're tough and we're cursed and we go off and we lose our minds. Everybody here has witnessed that and Allah knows best. Father in the house, dealing with these kids, Generation Z is not easy. They're the generation that doesn't say thank you. They're the generation that says me, myself, and I. They're the generation that can't pull their own weight. They're the generation where you think that they had a lobotomy. You know what a lobotomy is? So you go get some of your brain cut out and you have to keep telling your kid over and over again the same thing, the same thing. Why do I have to keep telling you the same thing? When, when are we going to see that day when you on your own take your own initiative to do that simple, easy chore? So it's very easy for us to express ourselves to our mothers, to our fathers, husband, wives, to one another in an aggressive, nasty way. But a rifq, if gentleness is put in something, it's going to make it easier. I'm mad at my wife. My, ma- my wife is mad at me. I could just leave the masjid and come to the, ma- come to the, I can leave my house, come to the masjid and go back and deal with what, but a rifq, just go to her. And give her a kiss on her head. It's going to work. You just give her a kiss on her head. She didn't expect it. Because she was expecting you to be mad. And she's going to stay mad. You waiting for her to say I'm sorry. You waiting for... No. You just go back and say I'm sorry. Kissing the head. Say thank you very much. And then when you go back after the class. She's going to be waiting for you. With tea and stuff like that. And, and it's going to be easy. But that thing about... Who does she think she is? So you young brothers, I'm telling you, even if you are mad, you're angry and you're upset and you're bawling, really you are. Trust me, trust me. You have to put your Mac Daddy game down. Do I have to tell you guys Mac Daddy who he is? I don't have to tell you who Mac Daddy is, right? You unmarried brothers. That's when you know how to do things to cool your wife out. And she has to know that as well. Just always remember, I'm sorry, and give her a kiss, buy her a gift, and make her happy. But don't hold on to that thing. And that's why the Prophet mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the best woman is the one who her husband makes her upset. But at the end of the day, she comes next to him, puts her hand in his hand and says to him, I'm not going to go to sleep. I can't go to sleep until you're happy with me. And he messed it up. He messed it up. He was the one who was the culprit. He was. She's the victim. But she's having a son. I'm telling you. Don't be one of those people. It's my way or the highway. It's always my way or the highway. You have to apologize to me. You did it wrong. You didn't listen to me. 
the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, okay, I'll go upstairs. Although, as-suflu arfaq, I'd rather be downstairs. That's what I want. So take it easy with people. The Prophet mentioned sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah loves it that you are, we are gentle in all of the affairs. Arif. That's one of the main, if not the main message from this hadith. Al-suflu. Or it could be a siflu as well. Al-suflu arfaq. Being downstairs is more gentler. It's more comfortable. It's better for me. Given a choice, up or down, right or left, hot or cold, whatever is the easiest. What do you want to have for breakfast today, honey? What do you want to have for breakfast today? Whatever is easy for you. Whatever is easy for you. That's how the Prophet was. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Okay, khwani, we're going to stop right here, inshallah ta'ala. And we are not going to take any questions because I have to get out here and get this sandwich before these people close. Hada wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.